Uh, hello, Internet. Yeah, hi. Hey. Hey, we're doing news. Yeah. It's a newsies. That's, again. Yeah, about one month after we did the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're at least consistent. Two two posts in a single time. Happy New right? Year. Yes, that happened. We didn't all die from, you know, the Mayan apocalypse, which is totally a thing all the time, you guys. Yep. It really was. It was. Well, we uh, we have the we have spring of 2013 and the increased solar activity to look forward to still. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we've been we've been doing stuff here at Drunken Ugly Headquarters, which I guess is the internet. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the Skype call. That's 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 our HQ. Yeah. Skype call buried deep underground. <laughs> Buried 50 miles under the Earth's crust. <laughs> we need to get a volcano lair. Can that be our next Kickstarter? Just volcano lair. I don't think that's a creative. Pro- I don't think that's a creative endeavor. <laughs> I think your definition of creative is truly lacking. We could buy that Titan missile base from eBay. That's that's, that's only good. hundreds of millions of dollars, <laughs> or maybe it's tens. I don't know. Also, also all the costs to actually you know make it usable. <laughs> what you don't like black mold and mole men oh man don't talk to me about black mold <laughs> so uh, uh uh real talk real talk for a second uh, real talk before yeah. we actually get into this uh last week i was uh i was making dumplings um, right or i was i was i was reheating frozen i don't know how to make dumplings i was reheating frozen dumplings um and okay. i was following the boiling instructions and i found i was looking for a pot that could do like 10 dumplings up real nice um and I, I find this pot in the back because um, I couldn't find all the other pots because I think they had been washed or something. I found this pot in the back of the cover, and I'm like, I don't remember this. <laughs> oh, God, I fucking forgot. And then I take, I take the top off of it, <laughs> and it takes me – like the first thing I notice when I take the top off of it is that there's a few grains of rice in there. <laughs> and then finally I realize that, like, why are all these colors in here? <laughs> Oh, that's about half an inch of mold in the bottom. Oh God! See what what really happened was that you you opened the pot lid and you found Narnia. But your brain just wasn't willing to accept it. <laughs> Shit! There might have been Narnia living in there. I don't know. I might have killed off a sentient race. <laughs> you monster. Yeah, so um my former roommate who lives in France again now, uh fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz you're totally listening to this. Yeah, I know you listen to our show. <laughs> All right. Clean out your fucking pot. <laughs> That's the title of this news, is clean your fucking pots. <laughs> right. That'll get some great spam comments. <laughs> Um, all right, so we have some news. Um, we had a successful poll. Uh, we asked you guys what you wanted to listen to, and you told us. You told us real strong and real fast so, too. I think we had. I think that poll was decided within about a week. Yeah, I mean, by the end of the second day, it was like Devil's Bazaar came out like two to one against everything else. Yeah, it was Devil's Bazaar and the crossover, and then Devil's Bazaar edged it out. But it's okay. It's okay, because my crossover Megamix will see the light of day. You just have to believe, listeners. Just gotta believe and vote. Vote for me. 
just just vote for me. Well, speaking of voting for Sam, um, yes, we have yeah, uh, we have a new poll up. Um, it is kind of the same as the old poll, but with a new option. It's actually exactly the same. But with a new option, <laughs> change some stuff. Really, just one thing. It's the brand new Malibu Stacy. That's the old one. No, see, she has a new hat. <laughs> Yes, and I have stacked the odds in my favor because I have three games of mine that are up on that poll, and one of the other ones I'm actually, in fact, all of them I'm in, and in at okay, least one yeah, of them. Yeah, you are in Sky Mall. So yeah, yep. the uh, the votes, the, yes. the options for this month: uh, Sky Mall, the 99 cent module uh, by Shane Ivey, uh, taking place in a haunted airplane uh, run by me. Then we yeah. have how could you, how could you forget I'm in that Billy Spearshaker? <laughs> How could you forget Billy like, Spearshaker? It's, it's been a long time since I ran that. That game was like two years ago. <laughs> About a year and a half, but yeah. Um, and then we have The Longest Night of Your Life, which is part of the Campfire Tales series and Little Fears. Um, it's another live game. I ran that last time, last August, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah. Like five months ago. It was a bit ago, yeah. Then we have the crossover Megamix, again. That's uh, still running complete bullshit like it was last time. Fuck um, featuring featuring characters that are probably going that are in games that are probably never going to be posted at this point as as, yeah. well as ones that you know. <laughs> it's all right. This will be well. I know that there's a lead. There was always going to be one character because Alex played was Blood Ravens Vihander, <laughs> who was his as his main character in that game. Who was a character <laughs> from a fiasco game that was corrupted. Oh, God. It's so great, you guys. It's so great. Uh, then, Just vote for it. Then Transatlantic, uh, the Fiasco, uh, which is one of the Fiasco playsets, which uh, is one of our first games with Josh. Yep. Um, it has uh, it has a 1930s ship going. And cultists. Cultists. Lots of cultists. Half, half the players are cultists. <laughs> yep. All cultists all the time. And then uh, the new edition, uh, the Prelude Adventure to uh, Icker Falls. Um which is uh, set in Little Fears, uh, set in the year 1986, and uh, based on the, uh, as the name suggests, based on Chris Straub's Icker Falls. Yep, it's based on the Creepypastas. It's the beginnings, set two sessions combined into one of uh, a campaign I've started running and will continue to vacillate and oscillate on whether or not I, I pick it back I'm up. I'm pretty sure one of those is a word you just made up. Yes, one of them was indeed a word I just made up. Thank you, Matt, um, for calling me out. And Sam, Sam, that's the, you. You should you should complete your you should complete your game of uh, by Chris Straub or inspired by Chris Straub, clearly by running chainsaw suit and complete bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing this now. I'm so doing this now. <laughs> But here's the question. How do you roleplay a sentient gun judge? <laughs> the sen- well no, the sentient gun judge, he's just the he's just the end of the of the of the legal system enforced by two cops. <laughs> God. There's there's gotta be some way to make that be a thing. I'll I'll see if I can make it happen. <laughs> I mean there's a couple ways to make it be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So let's see. We got that. That's the new, new, new news poll for the news coming at you. 
about APs. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's. I guess also just speaking of new APs, um, we're going to actually start posting. Uh, since Monster ISS is over this week, we're taking a little bit of a break from. Um, well, we're not taking a break from MAOCT this week because we posted Road Trip. <laughs> posted the end yeah. of the. We posted uh, the end of Oz, which is uh, that was a man. That's that's probably. Aside from the session that follows it, uh, that's probably my favorite session in the campaign, just because uh, Are You There, which it's me a monster, has like has the best session resolution it's, of it's any true. of the modules it, in Road Trip. It really does. Ross Payton, you've done good. Good work. Yeah. No, work. I told I told Ross what happened in the end of that, and he <laughs> approved. <laughs> I think it's hard to disprove. Disapprove? Either it's way, impossible to disprove happens. because it is because it it is a thing. It happened, yes. Um, but yeah, uh, following this, uh, we're gonna start posting uh, our we're gonna start posting uh, the first se- the first season of our um, of prominence uh, North Carolina, our uh, ongoing wild just, challenge just, campaign. Just let's just continue with the the comic theme and call it the first issue. Well, it's more than the first issue, unless we're going to refer to it as like. I mean the first the, the the first the first season of this it, it could be compiled into a Watchmen length graphic novel. True enough. Probably prob well I don't know. Uh, it's, it's if we want to call every if we want to call every session of that an issue. <laughs> I'm alright with it. Goddamn long issues. <laughs> if we wouldn't we wouldn't be talking we wouldn't be talking 199 camics. We'd be talking like full on like fucking manga length things here. <laughs> We're breaking the mold. That's just we're, that's just all we that's, that black horrific mold. <laughs> God, that's just gonna be the running gag. This <laughs> I will shove it in there as hard as I no, can. No, stop putting mold places. <laughs> but it has to live. It has to grow. <laughs> oh man, that was the oh no. You know, the- speaking of mold, there, I think the grossest mold I ever found was um, I used to. It, it's totally my own fault, but it, it, I, I, yeah, I I used to like be just really bad about cleaning up coffee mugs. Like when I was like thirteen or fourteen, I would just leave coffee mugs in my room that had like a little bit of coffee floating oh, in the man. bottom. I, yeah, I did that with a fucking thermos. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, it's the worst because then that milk just become just it starts out as like this lump like a tumor lump of mold on the top floating and then it becomes it starts growing up out of the oh it was terrible god yeah i i did well no the the worst part about that was like i had this thermos um my my school had a uh, they had an einstein's uh bagels uh, which yeah. also does coffee and one of their things is if you buy their mug then you can you get uh coffee for like coffee refills for like 50 cents or something yes. and so i had taken that there um and I didn't realize how much time had passed between the last time I had taken it. So I take the top off to put coffee in, and I just see this white mold at the bottom. And I'm like, oh, ah, I got to take this and clean it out somewhere. And I don't have any – I think I, I ended up going to – because I worked um, because I worked as staff um, in that building, um, yeah. I knew – uh, this I knew a lot of specifics about a lot of things, namely that if you just turn the water up high enough, it's scalding. <laughs> <laughs> so I scrubbed that I scrubbed that shit out and then I just put water that you can see you can see steam coming off of into that for about five minutes. <laughs> and then nice. yeah, and then yeah. 
Although apparently that wasn't enough because the instructions I followed to clean out that pot, I boiled, I had to boil that for 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, and they recommended boiling with oil, but I didn't want to use oil because I didn't want to start a fucking grease fire. (laughs) (laughs) How much oil would you put in a pot? I wouldn't want to put that much in. I, I mean, I do it with like a, a tablespoon, like like you're making pasta, not like you're you're literally trying to just boil solid oil. That's what it sounded like. I I, I don't I don't think that's correct. What what I happens if you put oil in with if you just put that in, then the oil's just on the top. No, it it it, it diffuses. No, oil and water don't mix. <laughs> no, but I mean, like when it's boiling, like it's all through. It's 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 meant as like to like it's meant to be like soap. It's not like you, it, it's not the cleaning agent. It's meant to. Oh, I thought they were. I thought they were saying to do it like I was trying to fry shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> it just said. It just said. It's it just. You get your pot clean and you get some mold fries. <laughs> Everybody wins. Well, it, obviously you scrub the shit out before you boil it. Um, yeah, but and then you you put a little bit of oil in it, so look, whatever's just, left. Look, in the, the, the instructions just said put oil in the pot. They didn't say water <laughs> and oil. And I'm like, damn, that's a shitload of oil. Uh, I also learned that you shouldn't clean out your you shouldn't clean out uh, pots with anything not inedible because that will stay in the pot likely. Yeah, that's well, you true. shouldn't you shouldn't use bleach. Um, <laughs> I, well, I ended up, I'm just I'm just not a fan of putting bleach near anything I'm gonna cook with. Hey, if you if, if any if reason it's, if it's between bleach and mold, um, I will, that I discovered, I will just get a new pot at that point. But, I will just go and buy a new pot. Uh, <sighs> anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, we're talking about games. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a newsies about mold. As much and as we should, I need to. I, I should. I should write like a monster scenario, just like Night of the Creeping Mold. <laughs> God, truly the grossest adventure. That sounds like something that would come out of monsters. Like you just see there, there's this horrible, like writhing black monster that just it just seems to be endless. And at the you, you go through like fighting this giant thing, and at the end. You find out it's just all coming from like this one pot in like this guy's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's Benbo's house. Actually, wait, no shit. That He's was just that terrible. was a well, not quite. That was almost an episode of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, a little with bit the, with the fridge that everybody forgot about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. So right. on to our topic. So speaking of never-ending things, we uh we just finished posting Polybius. Um, yes, uh, I, that went on for way longer than I ever expected it to. Yeah, but it was good. I mean, it was it was good. It's it's epic, um, literally in 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 both definitions, in the stupid internet definition and the the actual definition. It, yeah, it 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 was an it was an epic. Um, it also was a final fight where everybody the monsters just rolled like ass. Well, no, the monsters just rolled amazingly well up until like up until a certain point and they weren't rolling that many dice. It's just like yeah. that's just what happens in little fears because you have you can dice can explode however many times they want. So like I think I don't think I cut out like one of the lines in there where um I forgot to drop a die from a monster when I was rolling, so I'm just like okay, I'll just remove the highest result. Um, and that was fortunate because the highest result was 33. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. And, but of course, like, I think it's like, 
I remember it's like you have to you, okay you have to beat a 45 and Charlie's just like fuck you and I'm like I'll let you know that I reduced that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still the only thing I remember about the end of that fight besides Manda one-shotting death is the uh just Jenna getting horribly destroyed by three monsters. Yeah, I think it was well it was two and then it was eventually it was, it was, it was two it was just, and Polybius was, was helping out. Yeah, yeah. It was just I mean Polybius was helping out with everything. That was um that was all Polybius could do was just give things bonuses. Yeah. Which is why it was like um I guess I can say now um that this the secret the secret to that fight um was to try and get was to try and get to Polybius because had you done that you could have started controlling the monsters. <laughs> Yeah, I remember something about there being like it. It was literally like puppet controlling them. Yeah, no, yeah, that's. Say, I wanted to say puppet sock there. It shows how much EP we've been playing. Yeah, well, also whenever you try and say basilisk, you automatically add the word hack to hack into the end of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Terrible. No, it's not. It's wonderful. Um. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, we're playing EP now. Yeah, clips phase. Yeah, we're playing. Yeah, we've uh, been playing. Uh, we played three sessions of that. Sam has described it in the very vaguest terms on the forums because he's a cocky. It's true. Um, <laughs> I, you know me so well, Matt. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're um, we're playing it. It's it's got five players, which is hefty for a game I'm running. Like that's that's new and different. Um, and it's also like it, it's it's the first of. The first couple sessions of you know a, a long opening part, and then it's going to be a big long campaign. I'm hoping, um, and it it's pretty rad. It starts on Mars, um, and you know for the listeners that know a lot about Eclipse Phase, it is Eclipse Phasey. And for those that don't, you will find <laughs> I out. Certainly hope that Eclipse Phase is Eclipse Phasey. <laughs> no, honestly, we've been we've been we've been opening our uh, we've been opening our minds to solve problems in very transhuman ways. Yeah, yeah. There, last last session, uh, James just turned somebody's brain off without even needing to be prompted. It was just a thing that he decided he wanted to do, and I was a little terrified. Well, yeah, and also all of us have just been exploiting the fuck out of Tacnet. Well, yeah, well, you, that's what Tacnet's there for. I mean, just like, and the thing is, I didn't even get the idea for that until I saw like until I saw the the um, the actual concept art for it. Because yeah. the way I had seen it before, I thought it was like Future Soldier, whatever that tech was, where you just – it was just like picture-in-picture picture displays of what everybody else was seeing and hearing. Yeah. And, and it is that. But then it also – the thing I didn't know is that it also has the AR overlays where you have friend or, friend or foe indicators as well. Yep. Yeah, I mean because in Eclipse Phase, everything's multifaceted and you know it's, takes up every branch of technology it possibly can. Yeah. And so then, like one of us just got the thought, like, "Hey, if it's just if it's just painting everybody with friend or foe indicators, can we just like throw down flash grenades and just walk in with our eyes closed? <laughs> just can wait till the, we just, just wait shoot, till the bad guys start doing that to can you. Can we just start shooting through walls? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We last session, play. last session, my, the players robbed a, a train, which was cool. They, uh, uh, you guys. You guys did that really well, and and I think the whole the whole fight ended up taking like less than two minutes in real time. I mean, it ends. Up, I mean, it's it depends on how long it took for the uh, how long it took for the VTOL to go overhead and stuff like. That. Not long. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, long. it was two combat rounds. Just all of us were like chemmed up as shit, so we yeah. went three or I think James went four times in a round because he's an infomorph. Yeah, because he's he's just information. So yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Combat balancing combat in eclipse phase is is an interesting proposition, and it is one of the things we will probably talk about in a later session of Newsies. Session of Newsies? Episode of Newsies. Um, <laughs> but that's not the topic for tonight. The topic for tonight is uh, long-form game design. Um, and we've we've posted up a couple examples of this, and you know, obviously we have um, more coming. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, Matt and I have very different approaches to this. Um, and since I've been, I'm I'm writing up this campaign as it goes along. I'm I've got the basic campaign idea sketched out for Eclipse Phase, and then each session I'm just adding in more. Um, but that's that's a different approach uh, than than I think what Matt does, and you know what what a lot of you might do. Um, so I, I felt it's worth talking about. I guess also I do have a. Um... I guess I think about it now. I just hadn't thought about it because it's been probably about two years. But the the early arcs of Frida's were that's a I approach that differently then too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Frida's itself has been a a, a learning process in long form writing. For I think at this point we're up to episode eighty five. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming to a close. It's it's yeah. I swear. <laughs> Although, side note, I was looking at my um, Google Docs earlier today, and I just realized the last time George's character sheet was accessed was August 6th, or 2nd, 8-2-12. It's been yeah, he's... more than five months since I, I even opened his character sheet. Yeah, he hasn't been in, well, because we've, we've been focusing on a different group. Um, yeah. And George went to a special place. It's true. George had his yeah no. It, George had it had a pretty epic epic character development point there, so it'll be fun to come back to him. But yeah, I miss the I miss playing him. I miss the guy, that crazy crazy guy. Yeah, well, we're gonna get back to the uh, the main setting soon. All of you listeners are gonna hate this when you hear it because we're not describing a goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, we should. we both know what we're talking about. But I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I mean, we can we can not talk about it. It's yeah, fine. we could just move on from yeah, there probably. and just continue to be cock teases. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so long form game design. Yeah. Um, since you're the one who brought this up, uh, why don't you? You want me to talk about it first? Um. Yeah, because I have to. I mean, I've done some, but it's just kind of happened. That's fair. Um, All right. I think probably so, the way that you're the way you're writing Eclipse Phase is probably similar to the way I ran the uh, early arcs of Frida's. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So basically, what I'm doing um, because I have because Eclipse Phase for one is a is a game that it, you requires you to write a lot for it. Like I found that trying to wing Eclipse Phase is hazardous at best. I, I mean, I think especially with all the tech possibilities, all the because you you, you kind of have to cover a whole lot of, of ground with that, and people can look up and find things that you know they wouldn't be able to in a normal modern day setting. Like you can you know I think the first session like you guys looked at some nanoparticles, and one of Josh's first questions was, "Well, what's the elemental makeup of it?" And I was like, "Um, it's metal." <laughs> so. You know the the little minutia of it requires a great deal of writing. Well, I think that's uh, I think you can you can expand that to all of sci-fi. That yeah, no, that's, it's, that's, it's this, true, this is this, this is the um, I've said this before, and um, I don't know if you agree, but like sci-fi and fantasy are roughly the same thing. Just in sci-fi, you know how everything works. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, it's uh, everything works in a more. I I guess it it works in a more physical sense is how you know how it works versus working in a metaphorical sense. 
you know, like magic and, 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 you know, faith belief systems can be abstracted enough to where you can understand them. And so can technology, but you can get down to the nitty gritty of technology a lot easier. Yeah, because well, the you can't get down to the nitty gritty of magic because it's not an actual thing. It, well, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, unless, uh, unless you unless somebody's gone through great care to to describe exactly how it functions in their world, I think. At which point you might as well be describing technology. Which is, um, I think that's what Final Fantasy VII did, really. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um. So so that's one aspect of sort of writing for Eclipse phase and, and sci-fi. But what I've found is that um. Because we're and and this is a bit different from how we kind of have traditionally run games is that um, I'm running this campaign and we're actually doing a, a like we're playing once every week and that's out of the ordinary for us. I mean the first couple of sessions of Frida's happened, you know we had four sessions in two weeks or something. That like was that. also that's, I mean that was also back when Frida's was like it was Frida's and road trip back then. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like we're we're it's, we're, at, it's, we're on kind of a weekly format now because we're just yeah now we're just running so much goddamn stuff stuff yeah I mean but but I mean if traditionally like that's not been the case and so it, it's 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 different um, and and so what I've been doing is basically when I first got the idea for the campaign you know like a month ago pretty much right after we recorded the last newsies. Um, I sat down and said, all right, well, here's all the ideas of what I want. Basically, here's all the themes I want to get at. And then, um, uh, from there, I kind of extrapolated out my main idea, just like we talked about last time, you know, kind of put it down to its base component and then brought it down to what I wanted the setting to be. And then, so I had all the basics down and then, so I, I did my real basic world building and then I have just started setting up each session um, you know, kind of in, in just writing it out in the week between each session. Um, and one of the things I've been doing, and it'll become like it'll become more apparent as we play more games. But each session basically triggers a whole bunch of uh, plot threads that will start popping up in later sessions. I mean, already it's gonna it's gonna start happening. Like next session, you guys are gonna start experiencing some fallout from the first session, and we're only four episodes in. Well, and also everybody's gonna start calling in favors. Yeah, exactly, and that's you know that's the other thing is that we'll get into a lot of personal plots next time, um, just because it's it'll, it's time for those to start popping up. Um, and so what I'm doing is I've it's not exactly a a, a time sense that they that they're appearing in, but a a, a plot sense, I guess. Um, and I've I've outlined how the plot sh- is going to progress in a you know in a in a sort of mostly linear fashion. Um, and then we're just, I'm just filling in the specifics and the details from there, which I've run into a few problems with already because it basically forces me to, uh, not be a lazy asshole and actually sit down and write every day. (laughs) But yeah. Well, I think that's also the nature of eclipse phase. It's a very, I mean, this, this is one of the things is, um, uh, like with a more mechanically robust game, you just have to fill in more elements. You, it, yeah, it, no, it's it's really true. Eclipse Phase just, and and any other game where you have you know thousand point characters is not a thing that really lends itself well to improv. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean exactly, and 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 the tech is just one aspect of that. I mean, the setting of Eclipse Phase is so broad, and there are so many. I mean, there's so many players in it. You know, like. NPCs and 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 political factions and and everything. There's no meta plot, but they give you the tools to make one, and they do it really well. And so 
the part of the the handy thing about that is that I can kind of look at at you know all the things that they've established and pick and choose and prune and do whatever I want with, um, which means I'm not writing in a vacuum, which is really handy. Um, basically, all I have to do is look at you know the motivations for the bad guys, the motivations for your allies, and the motivations for all the people that you affect. And once I have all those, and I know what they're all going to do and how they're going to react to uh, the the events of each session, I can write out you know I can write out the campaign. Right. Yeah. I think that's. Um, I believe Ross Payton termed that the uh, the NPC ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, you can allow it to be in a sense self perpetuating because you don't have to create the plot; you just have to facilitate. Yeah, and then I mean, the NPC and the NPC ecosystem is more on uh, I guess what you said; it's more on a session by session basis. Um, <clears throat> I think as far as styles of writing go, um, it's definitely my preferred one because it allows for. I mean, it makes it makes it very very easy to improvise and plan for changes because you don't have anything you don't have anything set in stone. It's just these guys are going to do this. If not interrupted, these guys are going to do this, and they want to they want to do this. And if something comes, they're going to find this way around it. Something like yeah, that. No, ex- I mean, not exactly. this way around it, but they're going to. Yeah, their 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 responses are going to be based off of you know what happens. Yeah, and all the motivations are on a are set on a very broad level. So you yeah. Um. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if uh it, well not if when the players throw a wrench into everything you've planned. Yeah. Well, and and especially one of the things that I'm doing is I'm planning for you guys to throw wrenches into the NPCs' problems, and that's that's pretty much how the how the campaign is going to go and. One of the one of the one of the things I really like about long form anything is the is starting in medias res and coming in on the edge of the problem. Sort of every you 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 either stumble into it or you approach it tangentially and it broadens into something else. Um, and you guys already saw that. I mean, with the first session, it's it was it was tracking down the um, the the firewall sentinel. You know, who just went missing, and then that blossomed into this whole big other thing, this whole different other investigation. Once you guys go and look at the bigger thing, you know, a larger plot will open up. And I like that because it's easy to keep track of um, scale-wise, and it allows the campaign to build really effectively from a, a, a story point of view. Like, you know, the first session, you guys are tracking down one guy. By the end of Mars tier, you know, it'll be destabilizing governments and, and stuff like well, that. Yeah. Like and things are gonna get real. It's also a very it's also a good thing because um even if you have um I guess because I guess the way you termed it out, this is also I'll use another game industry term here, the diamond. Um mm-hmm. even if things have a have a have a direction that you want them to go, we pretty much get to take it at our at our own pace. Exactly. Um and exactly. the uh this is um, one of the one of the one of the best things I had heard when I started when I was first like looking up how to do good game mastering, um, is if you, uh, well not it, it just don't pre- don't present actual free choice, present the illusion of free choice. 
Yep. Um, and because and, yeah. and or present limited choices that you know make sense in a linear fashion. I mean the uh, thing. I mean the thing is because you're uh, the diamond is a is a is a that's a video game term uh, representing. Um, in any sort of in any sort of uh, open-ended um, RPG or adventure game, um, Mass Effect does it. Um, Heavy Rain did it, uh, and Indigo Prophecy or Fahrenheit for any of you living in not America. Um, that it represents this idea that in the beginning of the game you start at the single point and then you get a variety of choices and all those choices branch off into more choices and around about the midpoint of the game they have to start pruning that off because they have to start thinking about the end game. Um, and obviously that differs a bit in actual, like in pen and paper role playing, because you don't have to write the entire game out ahead of time and script everything, um, because you're not a computer, you're a human being. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I think, I think, I think the, the idea of it applies and because you're not a computer, it can be handled a lot more gracefully. Yeah. There is also the component that it's not being played by, you know, hundreds or thousands or millions of people. So it's it's being directed by a singular group. Yeah, of people. and it can be and it can be rewritten to accommodate specific things. Uh, yep. Yeah. So you can cover cover every instance simply because the people that are choosing the instances are a limited number. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, and and so and the diamond is useful to think about and I think I'm the way I'm writing this is is similar, but uh, I think is in a, uh, a a less broad fashion. Like I I'm presenting you guys with choices, and 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 you know will will continue to present you guys with choices of of where to go and what you want to do, and then but they'll always be limited by the motivations and stuff like that. So you know you let's look at let's look at mass effect terms um you know shepard goes to a alien civilization you know in the first game and discovers that they're under attack and so he chooses to help them out and he chooses to help them out in a way that causes one of them to join him and so he goes along with that you know but if you had chosen to not help them then you know the other aliens would have won and you would have gone to help you know, you could have helped them out, and somebody else would have joined your party. You know, it it branches off in that direction, and that's the diamond. But you know, here it's you know, you choose to do a thing. You know, you choose you you guys went after the sentinel. You know, the the missing sentinel because you found him. You're able to track down what he was doing because you're able to track down what he was doing. It leads you to you know the the fact that you know he's you know. Up to no, up to no good, like he something something even worse is happening, and so you're able to look at that and then go from there, and so the choices come in of how you get to those things, and then you know how you deal with them. Right, and I think it's something like a uh, and again, this is uh, a major difference from a from a video game and from an, an actual uh, pen and paper game, is that the choices can be much less explicit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. We don't go up to we don't go up to somebody and then get then get a get get a wheel of responses. Yeah, there's no there's no dialogue <laughs> tree in in my Eclipse Phase game. That would be you know. a pain in the ass to write and also to use. <laughs> that would be. And then at that point, it's like, why aren't we just playing Mass Effect? <laughs> yeah, like why? Are, let's just go play video games. Fuck this. Fuck this role playing yeah. game bullshit. Uh, yeah, no, and and it so it's. It, and and one of the things I, I I like doing is you know making those implicit choices everywhere, and that they're all they're already going to be popping up. I knew I should have chosen Pepsi. Yeah, no, that would that would have been a smart move. 
Coke was just that's that's the one where you just get infected by Titans and and we all die. That's all Coke is. It's just that's all Coke it's is. Titans. Just it's just Titans. <laughs> that's why it explodes when you shake it. What do you th- why, what Titans. do you think? Yeah, no, they, that's why do you think everybody hated New Coke? It wasn't <laughs> Titans. <laughs> The Titans are already here. It's just Coke. The Titan, the Titan, they're, they're the most delicious uh, doom of humanity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So let's let's hear let's hear a little bit from your end. All right. Um, let's let's get some your end though. So uh, regarding regarding, um, I haven't written a I haven't written a full campaign myself. Mostly just because I. I get ideas and then I have no idea what to do with them. Uh, but I tend to piggyback off of other people's campaigns very effectively, um, yeah. because other people can do world building better than I can. Um, and so I guess the the first campaign I did a whole lot of writing on um, was Frida's because Nate ran the first session of that and I went on to run the next ten sessions of that. Um, and really, like that started from a very this started from a very simple place and I, the. The second session of the game, like literally all the notes I had for it were, there's an R-rated movie coming out, and I knew that one of the characters would be interested in it, and Frida was going to be opposed to that. That was really all I had written for. Um, and then the player the player reactions gave me um, a lot to, well, George specifically gave me a lot to work off of. You're welcome. Yeah, I really don't know what the, where the campaign would have gone had George not hopped on his flaming bird to escape the movie theater. <laughs> Those were simpler times. Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's very much that kind of thing like um uh probably I'm going to get some shit for I um I used to be a really big fan of Mega Tokyo and one of the first I liked Mega Tokyo. One of the first things um the the first uh series the first volume of comics um Mega Tokyo was originally a four panel comic and then it switched to a, a more traditional style and so yeah. in that uh, Fred Gallagher included all the blank space with director's commentary and my favorite thing is um it starts with the characters like at E3 and then one of them gets really drunk and then they just go to Japan and Fred Gallagher sums sums that up as some some that writing part up as you know, it'd be cool. What if we just sent him to Japan? And he's just like, ha simpler times. And <laughs> George hopping on Condor and j- just George hopping on Condor. That was a let's go to Japan choice. Um, That's true. Because it was a massive, it was a massive change in everything that was just so simply made. Um, and then from there, I just kind of had, I, I built a lot of things off of, I just had to look at, well, what would people think if they if they saw this giant ball of fire fly away from a movie theater in the middle of a city? And then I just kind of I just kind of built it out there logically from well, obviously people are going to say it's people aren't going to say it's aliens, but um, and so people who were admittedly I might have accelerated that a bit, but I just kind of wanted to get to it. I mean, accelerating it made good plot yeah it worked out just fine yeah so i mean there were other the thing was that the focus was always on the characters and it has it is always on the characters it's just shit happens in the city as a result of what they do <laughs> so while it was like emma's birthday was going on you know like and all the kids were dealing with like oh shit odin is being an asshole um, yeah it like there were uh, 
uh, all the nut, all the I had written that the background plot there that could be explored in addition to the the main plot is like oh there's also UFO investigators coming in and you guys ended up kind of dealing with that but then also the other problem is in addition to the UFO investigators there were the monster investigators not the not the the not from the bureau just the one just guys that are like ghost hunters except for monsters. I guess I could just call them investigators. Yeah. <laughs> um and they that ended about that ended about how every investigator's life ends. Um and again, that was the main I think that was the point there where I realized also how to write monsters cuz I think I've talked about this in in an older thing but like um I remember when I was writing that up, it's like, all right, so this guy's going to come in and he's going to try and kidnap this and it's going to be this fight scene. And then I'm like, well, wait, like the, that guy, the monster's going to kill him. And then I'm like, wait, then a monster will have killed him. All right. Yeah, sure. Let's just do that. <laughs> That'll do. Because the thing was like, I just, I just wrote things and just kind of, whenever I wrote something, I just, um, and I guess this is the main difference I have between writing something that's fit for a campaign and something for a one-shot. Because for a one-shot, I just have to write a central idea and then just kind of put a few things around it to make to so that you know there is a there is an obstacle between the between the the, the core idea that is causing this to ha- that is causing everything to happen. Um, whereas in campaigns. Um, you just write. It's just a lot of. It's just a lot of small ideas, and then those small ideas just keep kind of building off into other small ideas. Um, Makes sense. And really, just like you have, you have your own plots you put in there, and you kind of let those run in the background. Um, I think, um, and that was what we came to in Frida's. That's what we came to refer to as the plot buffet. I think because there were there were countless things to choose from yeah it it because we were we were adding our own plots and on top of that um there were so many character-centric plots that there were enough character-centric plots that we we made a wiki for yeah. it was originally just for, for to keep track of them yeah and then it and then it took what like 60 sessions to resolve most of them yeah pretty much um let's see oh um also off topic i think i'm we're going to be starting Rogue Trader soon, so... Um, oh, we I just know we, can... we could finish this up tomorrow. With no, I mean, where did we go? We never left. Yep, we've been here. Nate's been here too. We took a we took a have, we took a short one day break. <laughs> I've been here the entire time. He was already here. Just just staring over Matt's shoulder. I've been like, Matt, what you doing, man? Uh-huh. Hey, Matt, what you doing? Nate, I told you told you not to get that close to me. Matt, what you doing, man? I told you not to get that close to me, bro. Hey, hey, Matt, hey, Matt. I'm not touching you. What? I'm not touching you. I have a machete. In my hand. I am not touching you. There is a machete in my hand. Oh yeah, well. I'm holding it. You want to see it? That's good for you, Matt. You want, you want to see it? That's good for you, bro. Here it is. Here it is. Da 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 da. All right, we're we're still doing news. I I don't know what the fuck that was. It certainly wasn't news. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me me and Nate being in each other's throats. That's yeah. That's from last year. Uh. <laughs>
Um, that is so last year. All right. So I guess since Matt and I have both rambled about long-form game design yeah. and how we approach it, Nate, why don't you ramble about long-form game design, campaign or shorter, and how you approach it? Um, for, first, I'm going to have to ask you to define long-form game design. Uh, and I it, this has been defined earlier in the er, earlier in the show. Not really. We just yeah, yeah, it, not really. We we just kind of let the topic speak for itself. Um, it is game games that are games that you plan to run that are longer than a one shot, or in the case of in the case of um, well, I'll talk about later on uh, Polybius and Through a Glass Darkly games that you just ended up that just ended up being long. <laughs> so essentially, so something, things, something things, like things that how are not you, meant to be resolved you, in one in one sitting. Yeah. So like Monsters ISS, um, the um, I'm I'm blanking. Um, Shimigami Tensei. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah, that sort of that that idea. That's that's that okay. that sort of length of a game, you know, and how you go about setting uh, out to write that. Well, I, I suppose first and foremost, I should I, I, I should um I, I should uh, establish a difference between um, ISS and SMT, uh, and say um any of the other games that I've run that have gone particularly long. Uh, I can't remember any. Like Justice for All, for instance, was one of them that went yeah. that went long, but wasn't designed to go long. Um, those those games went went on for a long time just because I don't stop players from role playing, and I don't I don't really I don't very often put a broom behind them and pat them on the bottom and say hey good a plot. I just, what are you talking about? You pat me? Oh, I mean what? I pat you on the bottom without a broom, Matt. Um. But yeah, I don't often do that. So games that I run can go on for a while. It's not that I can't do it. It's just players enjoy it. So eh, whatever. Um, the uh, the longer games that I plan for, uh, the way I write them tends to be very episodic. Uh, they're not. They don't often. They don't often flow from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. As it is so much that I write. Individual like episodes, adventures per episode. Um, ISS was different, but I kind of had labyrinth adventures written essentially. Um, but SMT and say uh, Ship of Fools are good examples of it. Each each session was its own separate adventure, and the idea being that if it was removed from the whole campaign. That it just would take a tiny bit of retooling for it to be a one-off. Right. Yeah. Because both of those games, I mean, Shimigami Tensei, like, well, it's the Ship of Fools, especially that game was linear. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing. I mean, and I'm not saying that as, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. Like, sometimes, sometimes if you want to tell, sometimes you want to tell a story, the, the, the best way to tell it is in a linear path. It, not everything can be freeform and open world, especially when the plot of the game is get on this ship and go to this island. <laughs> this is the task yeah. you've been hired for. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was, I was going to say that there's, there's, there are a ton of other uh, campaigns that are like that. I mean, uh, road trip for Monster of the Child of Things, if you run it in the way oh, that yeah. road trip can be complete. Ross Payton is supposed to like says that you're supposed to do it. Then it's linear. Oh yeah, no, it, yeah, road trip can be totally linear. And I mean, hell, even if you run the adventures out of order, you, yeah, it's still, you started to be you started the, the 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 I mean, you start at the beginning and you end at the end. Like you're not the, yeah. nothing's going to change as a result of how you run it. Yeah. 
Um, so, so I guess on the point of the the episodic um, nature of of like Ship of Fools, my question is: Did you have those episodes written beforehand, or were they written as a result of the previous episodes? Uh, in Ship of Fools, because of the nature of Ship of Fools, it was it it it, it was supposed to and is a prefab campaign in sure. sort of dystopia was written all beforehand. Okay, I, I wrote the campaign and then ran it. Yeah. Um, for uh, for say Monster ISS, for SMT, um, for this particular Odyssey campaign that I've run recently that I'm not going to talk about in too, deta- too much detail due to spoilers. Um, I uh, we'll just say it's the reason that uh, Frida's is on like session eighty five now. Yeah. yeah, we we mentioned it earlier in the show and then talked about how we weren't going to explain it and just be massive cock teases. So <laughs> thank yeah. you for continuing that. <laughs> Oh, of course, of course. Didn't even know, but all right. Um, in those cases, I would write an adventure in advance and have just I, I would I would have um, things written out for everything else. I, I would kind of have an outline for every episode available, and then I would expound upon it after this past adventure uh, just ran through. Okay. Like say SMT, for example. Um, after their first dive into the reverse world. Well, I, I would have all of the all of the ideal dives, like reverse world dives, and some in between investigation stuff. I would have sketches of them, just one one to two sentence sentences of some basic ideas, and then after that first dive into the reverse world, I would write the second dive. I would I would I would, I would expand upon those two sentences that I wrote. Just based on what the players did in the pre- in, in, in the previous one. So you kind of out I mean, you kind of outlined the whole campaign, and then just as things went, then you fleshed it out. Exactly. Um, the only thing in that the, the the only thing in that that I that I uh, had kind of fully fleshed out before everything else, or like I had the beginning and the end fleshed out, and then everything okay. in between was just outlines. All right, makes sense. Because that that's that that that's a campaign that kind of you kind of pick the ending. Or you kind of, you kind of pick the end goal as the GM. Yeah, and your and your in your case for um, that was actually kind of how but, Sam. That was kind of how you said you were uh, writing out this uh, this eclipse phase game, right? Yeah, in a in a similar way, and I think the the points in which Nate and I differ in in our approach to in in that approach is from being in Nate's games and um, from observing and listening to a lot of them. A lot of the end is determined pretty much entirely by player interaction and what and what players choose to do kind of in between each other and then mm-hmm. subservient that to that is what they choose to do to the plot. And I think in my games a lot of it is determined by what people choose to do to the plot and then less so by what they choose to do with each other. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. I'm as far as the, the games that I run I'm I, I can do things that are incredibly plot centric. Yeah, but just, it's not it's not what you prefer and that's not that's not a problem. So uh, I prefer it's often not what the players want out of games that I run either. Just from anything that I've any, anything I've I've talked to people about and asked for advice, criticism, um comments, etc. Uh for the most part what I've been told is is, is that the the character centric approach that I that I take usually is what they prefer in my games whereas a preference in Another GM might, might might differ, if that makes any sense. Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah, like going to an Night Shyamalan film and not getting a twist and going, "What the fuck? Come on!" That's the ultimate twist. Hey, now, 
Lady in the Water was really good, and I liked that movie. Sam, you're saying the name of it wrong. <laughs> oh, Lady in the Water. <laughs> or, 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 or if we're going to go, or if, or if we're going to go by uh, the better Shyamalan films, going to a Shyamalan film and not having Bruce Willis in it, <laughs> and then going, come on, what the shit? Going to any film by the guy who did Independence Day and it not having Will Smith in it. <laughs> or that, yeah. Oh, guy who did Independence Day, you so probably have a name. <laughs> and have maybe done something besides Independence Day? No, none of it. There's nothing else he did that is worth... Look, he. I think he did Armageddon, The Day After Tomorrow, in 2012. Do you really want to mention Ugh. any of those films? <laughs> Um, Armageddon was amusing, at least. Yeah, it had Bruce Willis think, too. So it did. Bruce, Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis is good if you don't have Will Smith. Oft times is good <laughs> on his own. I think uh, I think he might have just made his uh, his millions on Independence Day, and then everything else is just like yeah. Well, the thing was, he made disaster movies back when it was back when disaster movies were popular. He just kept making them after they long after they stopped being popular. <laughs> Yeah, true enough. That ship had already sailed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then, um, with, uh, open-ended games, I, with open-ended games, it's, it's, it's fairly, open-ended games being, being something that isn't a written out or sketched out campaign is just something that's going to last three sessions or so. I, I just don't write a lot. Yeah. Or I write too much. I think it's, it's one. It's one or the other. I uh, sorry, Michael. Well, I think I think the I think the example we always we always point to with that is Frida's. Yeah, <laughs> we started that with no with no clear intent in mind, and then just kind of let it. it was, for the most for the most part, for as much direction as we gave it, and how many fingers were in that pie, it turned out pretty well. Yeah, it's true. Um, and uh, to be somewhat more technical, I suppose with, with not writing that much. Um, I suppose what I mean is, that, is for those sorts of games, what I would write would be less plot and more less major like driving plot and more plot that steers all the characters to interact. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I can again. I'm again. I point to Frida's, but then again, that's the it, character interaction is kind of the central focus of Monster and the Childish Things, and character yeah. character character focused plots are that relationships. Yep. Also, you know, there's not that was kind of the th- that was that's kind of the thing that like there's not a whole there was there wasn't a whole lot of challenge in Road Trip because there's it, I mean there's just not a lot of challenge in plots. In Monster and the Childish Things, because you have, you know, you have a 50 foot tall Abrams tank with claws as your best friend. This, this it's true. just you like after you get done with the plot, now you have a dozen new plots of how to deal with the fact that you just used a 50 foot tall Abrams, Abrams tank with claws. It is, though, possible to give challenge to it. That was what I, that was, mechanically speaking, that's what I was doing in SMT. Is I was I was specifically designing things so that there was a challenge to it. Yeah, and more ju- or less that would that would that would that would include attacking children. Yeah, the thing is, like the game's just kind of not mechanically robust enough to have very to have very uh, complex combat without a lot of modification. Yeah, I I, I definitely had to modify it, um, and much like 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 the final the the final boss, I suppose. Yeah, well, you had, you had to add a very, you had to add a very um, 
well, just other elements to that to keep it from being just like us just hitting them a bunch of times and describing in new and different ways how we hit them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, for it was it was uh, it was for um, in both in, in, in the case of both uh, SMT and ISS, I made the I made like the last fight be a ha- have kind of a gimmick of some kind that was ideally really tough to deal with if you didn't attempt to deal with it yeah the yeah the, the columns yeah the columns for smt and uh the the, the whole double-sided monster in uh in uh iss yeah that has four locations two of them will have tough times five yeah and two of them are like instant kills which was no it only had one instant kill i think next time we might have to do a topic of end game bosses just to so we can actually have that conversation, have it be on topic. Yeah, maybe I'll be okay. done with road trip then. <laughs> um, so the other thing I was going to note with uh, writing too much, um, with uh, I've I've done this um, with several things that I, several, several games that I've idealized to be one offs that have gone on for two sessions, like two or three sessions instead of one. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is because I wrote too much. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing because the players all had fun with it. Uh, and essentially, what it was was that I would write an investigation game. And a good example I can give of this is um, whenever this goes up, either on the community site or the AP site, whichever it's going to go on. It's a pretty good game, so we'll see. Um, was this L5R game that I ran for Zach, Charlie, and uh, one of the fans, a dude named Max? Um, Oh, that's Clockwork Bear on the forums, I think. That's that's, that's Clockwork Bear on the forums, yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, it was it was a no-hard game, and it went on for two sessions. The reason it went on for two sessions was because you know how an investigation game will have kind of an investigation path. Frequently. Like you, you, hmm? Frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you can you can follow this clue to this clue to this clue to this clue, and then get this information. Um. When I write investigation games, what I tend towards is having multiple investigation paths for different kinds of information. Like, say there's some sort of murder mystery. Uh, there is there are, there are three witnesses that, that each saw different things. And then there's some shenanigans to get each witness. That's probably the best example I can give. If you have... If you have any one of, this, of these witnesses' testimonies, you have enough information to form an idea of who the killer was. Um, but what players have tended towards in these games that I've run is that they'll get all three witnesses rather than just get one or two. And then go, okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure I knew who it is. Let's go to old man Jenkins' house, kick his door down and say, hey, you're under arrest. They, they, did, they prefer to take the Hamlet approach? They, they, they prefer to the Hamlet approach? You know, that- you, even though you have absolute certainty it might be that let's just go talk to the other guy and you know make sure yeah that guy said it too but you know you know i didn't trust his cat so let's go (laughs) (laughs) and then you stab your stepfather or no your stepfather your your father-in-law through a tapestry and then shit just gets bad yeah yeah (laughs) yeah uh basically basically yeah um that's 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 the approach the players have tended to take, and consequently those games have gone on for... Games like that that I've run have gone on for two or three sessions. And that's okay, everyone had fun with it. So, no foul. Um, I just had originally written them for one-offs. 
if they just followed one investigation path, like one or two, and then just went with that, went to the killer, did the stuff over and over, over in four hours, kind of con game length or almost con game length. Yeah, it's kind of hard to judge that stuff. Um, um, and also in that vein, that's why Through a Glass Darkly went on for six sessions. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do in that, man. Yeah, I mean, again, there was just a lot of leads provided that you could have, uh, that, you know, all of them could have led to something, and but you guys managed to just explore all of the content. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were trying to get 100%, Matt. We wanted that achievement. I think that, I think that, I can't speak for everyone personally, um, because I'm sure that there are there there are some uh, 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 there are some folks that when presented with that sort of situation they're just going to go I just want to find the killer. Yeah, there's if I have like 75% certainty I'm getting the killer. Yeah, there's the there are the people there are the people um well I guess it's either about the destination or it's about the way you get there. Yeah. Um and they're just going to go through a part of the plot. Find out, and I'm I'm using the killer, just I'm using a killer scenario, just for an example. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll go through just enough to get, to get enough clues that they can go, okay, I have an idea who it is. Now let's go to Old Man Jenkins. <laughs> um, but as far as Drunk and Ugly goes, and uh, some of the fans um, that I've that I've that I've had the pleasure to uh, play games with, has fairly universally been towards 100% completion. <laughs> Get all of the leads, every every one of them. Find everything that happened, yeah, and then get the killer. And consequently, games have tended to go on for a lot of sessions because of it. Which again, not a bad. Thing. And I guess on the other on the other side of things, when you set up an investigation, you just have to you one of the. I think one of the other reasons that leads are pursued a lot is, um, or that people pursue all the leads is just because people will tend to miss things. People tend to miss a lot of things. That's true. And so, let's taking good notes. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're taking, you have to be taking kind of, and this is kind of the thing that I've gotten into that I I start I start acting sort of as a um, uh, as a stenographer. Yeah. For the game. Yeah. You see my notes for you see my notes for for the Eclipse Phase campaign. Yeah. It's like I just am writing what Sam says, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is super useful when I'm going back to you know write the next session. Like, oh yeah, that's right, I did say these things. Yeah. And, okay. Um. I was gonna say advice to 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 uh, people who want to be who who want to be detectives in scenarios. Write everything down. Yeah, no, that's that is invaluable. <laughs> there's a reason that detect. There's a reason that actual detectives have notebooks yep. <laughs> and giant giant files. Giant gaping files. Oh man. Oh, those files. I speak. As far as playing detectives in games, I speak partly from experience. Just if 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 there if there is if there is a game that is happening and someone says it's going to be an investigation game, my default answer is, "Can I be a detective?" <laughs> it's just like a personal goal of mine. That like it's, it's 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 like it's like a dream that will never be realized. Is <laughs> to be a detective, and just solve mysteries. Like it's just 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 be a crime city crimer. Yeah, it's it's just crime it's, it's, in your just, bones. <laughs> yeah, it really is just a goal that will never it's like a life dream that will never be realized. So all I can do is just live it through through RPGs. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Cuz in the end, I'm not the guy that gets shot by uh by the criminal. That is true. When you, when you corner him. 
That is and, true. RPGs are significantly less hazardous to your health. Yes. <laughs> so I get my I, I get I get my dose of mystery solving without my dose of bullets, <laughs> which is really recommended at zero. <laughs> zero bullets is the correct amount you should be having. <laughs> Enter your body. <laughs> Doctor has prescribed me to take less bullets. <laughs> uh, Why was that not right. used in any? That just sounds. If you just say it, kind of grizzled. Went to the doctor. He prescribed that I take less bullets. <laughs> Put out cigar. Fade to black. <laughs> Single gunshot. Smoke drifts. <laughs> A bird calls. Got <laughs> a short film right there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about other things. Um. I think that that pretty much covers the. Uh, that pretty much covers how we have made games that go long. Yeah, pretty much it's it's figure out what way works best for you and what your players are gonna want. I guess once again it comes back to know know what your players want, know what you're good at, and then try and do it from there. And I guess my the other idea is do it in a way that's going to be interesting to allow you to continue writing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to keep a campaign going is to like it. Is, is to like it yeah. quite a bit, yeah. There are certainly other pieces of advice that we could give for that, but that might be another long, long topic. Which which, which, which like, is know, that? Which that are you referring to? Uh, as, as, as a GM trying to maintain your interest in the campaign. Because I guess one of the... So from all the folks that I've talked to, one of the biggest concerns that they've had with trying to maintain interest in, in, in running a game is that as much as they enjoy GMing, they also enjoy role-playing. And when they're GMing too much, they're not getting any role-playing in, and they start getting really burned out. And I always have like a number of suggestions that I can give to them on how yeah. to maintain it. That'll, that's a that's a pretty good topic for next time, I think. Yeah. That, that's that that's a that's better than what we came up with for this one. So. Yeah. Also, the advice I can give right off the bat: uh, start a podcast. <laughs> and you have to keep putting out content every week. Forever. Yeah, that's true. Also, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> also, no lie. No, no, no lie here. Um, that beyond just the beyond a a a. Uh, <clears throat> A, a, a feeling of kind of professionalism, I suppose, that would be summarized up with, if that makes sense. Um, another thing that, that, uh, that for we here in the Drunken Ugly, uh, that, 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 that keeps us, um, interested in running the games that we do is the fact that you guys actually comment. And that is, that is a very good point. Uh, getting near real time feedback, I guess, is pretty, significantly cool and yeah. uh having a group of people that want to listen to us definitely helps with the whole setting out to make things yeah yeah it's <laughs> the like whole having can... an audience kind of helps with the having a radio yeah. show thing yeah. yeah you guys you guys are you guys are the real <laughs> podcast it's you yeah when when uh and I, I know when i'm just kind of relaxing after a day at work or something Check uh ch- check the uh, check the podcast site. See, oh hey, uh, there's a comment on this game I ran, and someone's like, oh man, I really enjoyed what direction this went, and etc. I'm just like, I need more games. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. That's, it's old. 
Sometimes, sometimes it's not even after a hard day at work. Sometimes it's just during work. Yeah. Just sit at the computer, pull up the forums. Man, there's a lot of people commenting on these forums. That's awesome. Yep. It is. It's pretty rad. And at least 44 of them are not spam bots. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> Congratulations, Internet. 44 of you are not spam bots. We keep teetering between 44 and 45 as a spam bot registers. Yep. It's like when that when I when I check the forum and I see oh forty six members I know two of them are spam bots. <laughs> also, I like that the most users we've had in our forum is fifty five. <laughs> Eleven more than we have registered. <laughs> um, oh yeah, speaking of fans, we have questions from some. We do. I was actually about to segue into that. Um, so we put up a thread, and a few of you read two of you responded with some questions and. So I guess we can answer those. Yeah, why don't we start with the um, the one from Chibi? Um, you don't you don't want to start with Luffy's. You don't want to go in, in descending order. <laughs> I'd rather round it out with. <laughs> anyway, right. um, what little things have made your favorite system your favorite? Was it the game you played of it, the ease of running a game in it, or the lore setting behind it? All right, who wants to start? Hmm? I mean, can I can I can I say all of the above? Um, yeah, well, what are the what what and and you you can start with A and then answer B, C, and D. As a result, I mean, I, I was just I was I was just gonna say that's that's. Or do you do you do, or do you are you saying that you like all role playing games? <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is any particular game because when when when, when we, we played a lot of role playing games, mm-hmm. um, and many of them have had like one thing that stood out amongst all the others. Like Monster of the Monster of the Childish Things, fantastic ease of use, but where the fuck is the setting? Um, <laughs> yeah, the and is you. you are the set. It's you. See, I get that, but there really isn't. Like, no, yeah, much. that's um, go off. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I've said I've said straight up, like I um, and Nate, I, I'm real happy for you, and I'm gonna let you finish, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, old me, talk too much. <laughs> old memes um no uh just because it's on my mind and because you brought it up um monster and the childish things is it, when i first heard of the game which was in rppr's i don't know session like first time gming like i was introduced to role-playing public radio because that was because i was a new gm and i listened to this session mm-hmm. and they described the phrase there's monsters in the school tom which fortunately because that was the first episode i listened to <laughs> i never was confused about why they said that um and i just hear i just heard cody walker talking about like um talking about this just like the absurdity of the setting and that was a lot of enunciation but um just that like he had a monster that was like a crocodile that spoke with a southern accent and cried cried tears of cream cheese and turned into a lunchbox. Um and I'm like, holy shit, I want to find this game. What was it called? And then I <laughs> then I read it and the the moment where I decided I liked this game was I read the description for hands plus blocking, which was use a thing to stop a thing from hitting you in the thing. <laughs> And, like, I just read everything about it. I learned how to fucking use ORE, the monster that it is. Um, And then I kind of stared at it, and I'm like, how do I do this? (laughs) How do you use this game? And it's not very... Go ahead. It's it's not... It's 
a hard game to get off the ground. Like once you get it, once you get it going, like because there's there's no there's like no setting in there. Um, well, there are three settings, I guess, in the campaign jump starts, but none of them I could were ones I could figure out how to use. And it basically, Thanks. I always give credit to I always give all my credit to Ross Payton for Road Trip because without that I would never have run Monster Hunter Challenge things. I never would have. I never would have run it, and I never would have learned how to run it from running that. I get. I get behind that. Um, the three campaign jump starts in the core book are kind of. They're. They don't so much give you a place to start as it is they give you a style to start with. Like uh, they they give you. A new Monster Force Zeta. I think I, I think that one's in Bigger Bads. Yeah, that's yeah that um, that is um and also like I know that's what they and I think it's been a while since I've read that one, but uh, isn't that supposed to be like an all uh, an all weird kid campaign where they get they're actually like kids that are hired by an organization to fight space aliens? Uh, roughly, yeah. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, they're hired by Black Book, though that might just be um. That might just be the take that uh, Luffy went with mm-hmm. in um, the game that he has been uh, running and posting on the community site, yeah, which our, I suggest that everyone listen to. It's pretty good. Our most, yeah, our most prolific uh, community AP. Yeah, it is pro life. <laughs> I don't think that's what that means. Um, the uh, the yeah, Monster Force Zeta is one of the campaign jump starts and bigger bads, and then like Dirty Little Secrets is one of them. In um, the core book, and is that one is actually that one's actually removed from the new from the new version of it. Really? Yeah, it's not it's not in the revised uh, it's on the the hard copy of the revised version. There's only uh, Extreme Monster Fighting League and Welcome to Mars. Really? That's kind of a shame. Our little secrets is it's, the better of the three. <laughs> it's it's hella dark is the thing. <laughs> I mean the the. The description for the campaign involves like a uh, you know in, involves a sexually abusive father that is m- murdered brutally mm, by the kid's monster. No, that's in the earlier because that was um, revised. No, that's no, um, I mean that's I mean this is the the one the one in the in the first edition uh, that Benbo put out back when it was back when brains and uh, back when brains and face were called attention and. Uh, Right, right. That's, I mean, that's that, that's the description that's given in that. Well, no, that was the. There was another edition that was put out, I think, before the most recent one that had Dirty Little Secrets in it still, but because it had three, it had three jump starts, if I'm not mistaken. And the third one, which was the one that was akin to Dirty Little Secrets, wasn't that dark. It was more or less like, hey, you have a monster, but shit's gonna get really real if you let it out. Keep that from happening. Yeah, that was. Whereas everything else is, everything else is is very much like your monster is part of the workforce, or um, your monster is people. Or I think Mar Welcome to Mars is the one where people know what monsters are, but they still don't like them. Yeah. Um. So either way, the the campaign jump starts are in monsters are less a campaign and more. Hey, here's a here's a, here's a particular style of how to run monsters. Well, yeah. Well, that's why I mean that's why they're called jump starts. I suppose so. I've seen I've seen um, jump starts in other games that were a little more fleshed out that that actually give you a hook 
to go with. Yeah. These give you a style to go with. I mean, they can, and you can take you could take from the style a hook, I suppose. Well, they have they all include like three hooks, but they're all very specific, and I couldn't find ways to use any of them. I mean, like yeah. one of the ones is in um in the uh, in Little Secrets or I um Dirty Secrets or whatever it's whichever that's called. Like one of the hooks in that is like sounds interesting, and I have but I just have no way to run it, and it's just like it starts at the end. <laughs> That I yeah. think the I think the that that particular hook was called shit or get off the pot that you have it has your greatest enemy like tied to a chair and just says you are free to, to kill them as quickly or as slowly as you wish now cut back to one month later or one month earlier why do I always want to say one month later um uh, sure and it's like that sounds interesting but I have no idea how you make that work in a role play in in a pen and paper role playing game it would. I can see how it's just every player really, I know really would difficult. every player I know would would not want to play along with especially if they know they're going to be enemies with some person like see the thing is it's possible it's just really difficult and almost needlessly stressful yeah. to try to pull off because you could do it and make it fun it's just you have to put so much effort into the writing because you'd have to make it so that the the bully or whatever antagonist it is, one shows up early enough to be established as this kid's like wanted fucking dude, you know. Mm-hmm. So I keep cursing too much here. I'm sorry. Yeah, what what the fuck uh, ever. <laughs> we have an explicit rating on this show. <laughs> I, I haven't cursed this much on any other newsies. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why I'm doing it this this much on here. Uh. But yeah, he has to show up as the as the kid that this as the person that this kid wants to kill, um, and then has to not show up in a way that they can be meaningfully beaten for a month. Also, well, also in this thing, also they have to they have to sh- show up. I guess when when you say meaningfully beaten, you mean the other kid uses their monster to eat them. <laughs> yeah, and kill like them right there. It's like it's like you kind of have to have. If they show up, it has to be as an example in, say, like a superhero thing. It's like a street level superhero thing. Like, oh, you finally have reached your arch nemesis, but they're behind plasteel glass, and you literally can't get them. Well, and the well, on the other way, I I guess the thing was whenever I read about it, I always ex- I always anticipated it being something with a twist. Except the problem is you see the twist coming. Isn't that in that it's like this this guy isn't this guy isn't your enemy. He's actually really friendly to you and something happens during the campaign to turn to to turn things elsewise. That could also be done. Again, it just has to be a it just has to be a thing where they have to do something Everything, that yep. merits that that, yeah. that merits the, the player to have that reaction. Yeah. But then can't happen for a month. There has to be some reason that it can't happen for a month. And the act of writing that out and coming up with all of these ways that this can't happen is going to be really stressful. Yeah, you have you. to actually kind of need this. You have to actually plan for contingencies. Yes, planning for contingencies on the record in in role playing games sucks. Oh yeah, no. I, um, I will direct everybody to Ed's Diner, <laughs> where I where I have literally every contingency planned for, and the first thing you guys did was do the one thing I couldn't think of. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Also, on that note, I think I, I need to break in and get us back on topic because Nate's got a deadline at 8.30 and we're pushing 8.10 right, right now. Yeah. Oh, dear. And we have yet yeah. to answer this first question. Well, yeah. No. Okay. So, okay. Which is, so, so what little things have made your favorite game system your favorites? We talked about the, the setting of monsters not being so great, but 
the stuff that ma- about Monsters that makes it your favorite, or is it a different game that's your favorite? Like, Monsters is lacking in that it lacks the setting, but the rest of it's really cool. Is that I'm going what we're kind of getting at? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was getting at as far also as Monsters just, goes. I think also the fact that it has, it, it, I mean, the fact that it lacks an established setting is both, is both a, it's both a boon and a, uh, and a burden. I mean, it's definitely, it's obviously a burden, but the boon is that, like, it leaves you, in the same way that like Wild Talents has no established setting off the bat, I think well maybe the the full edition does, but the essential edition doesn't. Yeah, like it's just um it it's a toolkit game. You use it to use it to make what you want, and there's an there there are hints of an established setting, especially in the uh, in the longer form versions of the book, where they get into things like the Monster Investigation Bureau, the uh, the Excruciators, uh, Wizards. Um, Salnath, for instance. Yeah, Salnath in, in bigger in bigger bads. Um, well, Salnath, the creepy guy, um, and um, fucking fourth character. I oh, the scientist who's like the wizard except with technology. Um, like they have they have things that assume that is that they have they have certain like core elements and they they say you can use those as well. But like. And yeah. so there is there is the roughest established setting in there, just in NPCs alone. I think I think what Monsters kind of suffers from is the fact that not that it doesn't have a good setting, just that it it has poor jump starts packaged with it. Yeah, yeah, jump starts that that aren't necessarily really it what lacks, the game it is lacks, about. It lacks direction. Yeah. And, and and it lacks a jump start that would maybe give you some direction. It's 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 like. Call of Cthulhu being packaged with Chaosium scenarios. They don't know how to write for their own game sometimes. Yeah. And I guess the... So, um, whoops, sorry, go ahead. Um, I guess just to continue on with the topic, uh, the reason that I... The reason that I... Well, the lore behind Monsters is one of the reasons I liked it. The other thing is that I love running it, especially in person for new... For first-time players. Because there's one thing I've noticed in, like... I think I've run it for nine people, um... An actual table, not at once, not all at once, obviously. But there's there's this there's this thing that always happens when they make a monster where they're really really confused. Then I explain it to them, then they kind of start getting the gist of it, and then like all of a sudden it just clicks, and you see them just start like drawing their monster and like writing stuff down, and like instantly they have like all this other stuff, and it's always my favorite thing to watch. It's like it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a child getting a. Uh... A Christmas gift that they can't understand, but then they finally get it, and it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that being that, that being said, to officially give my answer, uh, Little Fears, uh, new uh, uh, Nightmare Edition, um, is and remains my favorite RPG. Um, the system itself is really easy to run. That's something I, I like in an RPG. Something that I can just pick up and run. I don't have to read too much of it. Because there are sometimes when and this is just some explanation here. There's sometimes when I'm here on the internet or in my house or whatnot, and I have friends that are bored. We don't feel like playing any video games. We don't feel like playing any Scrabble or Wabble on the internet. <laughs> we could use some role playing, but there's just someone in one of the campaigns that isn't there, and we just can't do this campaign we've been doing. And so you just need to pick up something and run it in that case. And I love games that I can just do that. Um, that I can pick it up, look at it for for half an hour, boom, done. Campaign, uh, not, uh, scenario, already there, run. <laughs> campaign done. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> campaign done. Novel written. <laughs> <laughs> I also made these short stories and cooked a flambe. 
wait, does does one cook a flambe? I don't, I don't know if I just said an actual thing. That's that's uh, that's 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 a uh, day in the life of Stephen King. <laughs> uh, Wake up, yeah. take a shit, shit out your first story, done. <laughs> um, and then spend more recent things. Years, oh, yeah, and then spend twenty five years finishing a single series. <laughs> fucking dark tower yeah it, that 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 aside um little fears is a game that you can nightmare edition is, is is a game that you can really easily just pick up read for half an hour and then have something to run alternately it has like a, over half a dozen modules for it now going yeah probably about 10 at this point i think yeah there's there's a ton of modules out there for it so you could just pick it up read the rules look at a module and say okay yeah guys let's sit down at a table and play a game um the game's really easy to learn so it makes it so that players can pick it up in just the same length that it takes for you to pick it up. Um, and the setting itself is, it's toolkitty, sort of like monsters and other childish things, but has just enough more that it succeeds or monsters fails. Um, there is actually the, the styles of play are better described. The closet land, like the main big antagonizing thing, is vividly described enough that it leaves it open for additions and your own custom stuff while still giving you enough of an idea of what's here and what it does and what it's like that you can just go with it. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's one of the things is like, and I mean, it's definitely much better produced. And I think Jason Blair admits himself, like, after I wrote Little Fear's original edition, I spent 10 years making it better. Yeah. <laughs> I spent ten years figuring out what people didn't like about it and fixed that. Yeah, so that's <laughs> what Nightmare Edition is. It's the original edition done better. It took me a little while to finally get that, but when I did, I was ultimately happier with that than original edition. And one of the other things that I like is that on top of um on top of all the stuff in um in Lafears, I think the there's three scenarios that they there's three playstyles they they give, which is like uh, dark fairy tale. Um, original, which has a name that I don't remember, and then True Horror. And one of the things that I find interesting is that in addition to like the obvious ways that he gives ideas for, um, and the, the main differences here being um, that is um, the use of belief, um, how you can use belief and how quickly it replenishes. In Dark Fairy Tale, the kids are just fucking belief wizards. In Original, they have like a set amount of belief that restores between sessions, and in True Horror, they either don't have belief or they have very limited amounts of belief. Yes. And then with each of these styles, he presents something that's like the way you'd expect it to be used, and then he also presents something that's like completely different. Like one of the things that I one of the things that I like is that he just he just straight up says like you could use true horror to run Goonies. Just that's true. Yeah. Take out the belief. Take out the monsters. You now have a game. You now have a game where you were playing where that adequately represents children trying to take on adults. But you can also do it in a silly way like Goonies. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah, an, an, another very good reason that I have a great fondness for Little Fears. The only qualm that I ever have with Little Fears is that I have a hard time playing a character that's below like eleven, that's younger that that that's younger or 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 has or has a mindset before that, and it's just because I can't remember when I was that young. Yeah, well, so I, I can't I think, really. I think we all give concessions that none of us really know. Um, well, we the way we always do it is similar to like the Hollywood portrayals of 
or, or television portrayals of kids that uh, kids of any age. Like you get high schoolers being played by college age students. You get you know middle schoolers yeah. being played by actual high schoolers. Like it, you kind of just assume a bit more of a a bit more mental maturity, and then behave like kids. And the, th- yeah, and the, thing, and the thing is, that's the best we're gonna come close to. Like, and I think the other thing yeah. is like. You you don't you don't know what it's like to you don't remember what it's like to be a kid like so does every neither does anybody else yeah so your depiction of it is probably about as accurate as anyone else's well you see the um the 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 matter is is that I have like I had a lot of cousins that were younger than me mm-hmm. um so even while growing up and getting older and whatnot I still had and and, and I used to be um a lot closer with. My cousins than I am now. So when I was say in high school, I would be over at my grandma's or something along those lines, and my little cousins would be talking, will be telling me about their day and everything, and I would be vicariously hearing about their their middle school experiences. So I have a ton of stories that I can just refer back to to go, okay, how would a kid at this age act, especially react, react? Like I have things that I can personally remember, and I have things that, when I got too old to fully vividly remember, I was getting vivid vivid stories from cousins and whatnot at that at that age. Yeah, I guess in that same um, um I guess in that same vein. But, oh, continue. Sorry. sorry, I was just going to say I don't have as far as like elementary years and whatnot. I was never close to my cousins when they were in elementary school, and I can't remember my years in, in, in elementary school. So before. The middle school sort of era of that that particular age, I, I don't know. Yeah. I can only go off of Hollywood portrayals, and I'm always kind of hesitant to do that. That's yeah, but that's what that's what everybody else. I mean, if you want to go the full if you want to go the full uh, Monty, you could do what Seth Green did when he was uh, when he was trying to. Uh, when he was practicing for mocap for Mars Needs Moms, um, he honestly just went to parks and just watched kids and just watched uh, young children playing. Um, sometimes to the chagrin of parents, <laughs> but he did he did oh, adequately yeah. learn how just how to how to play a child. You see, that's I don't want to be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, you're, you're practicing for acting legitimately. It's, you, you're you're practicing your art. Uh, I um like it's no. just <laughs> I mean to to his credit he like he was on Conan and Conan asked him to play a child and it, the thing he summed up is just like just turn off every inhibition you have and just kind of you know just 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 kind of just kind of go for things you, kids small children just don't seem to have a lot of con- don't seem to have perfect control over their bodies and they just kind of seem to they just kind of say whatever's on their mind, and they just kind of do whatever's on their mind. <laughs> Makes sense. That's. Uh, I need to find the clip of that and just kind of and just kind of put that up. It's probably somewhere on YouTube. I think TBS is or TBS and or Conan are not crazy about you know killing everybody that posts their content. No, nonetheless, what I was going to add was um, the thing that actually mitigates that one qualm that I have is the Among the Missing uh, supplement, which lets you play. Kids that are older, um, if you if, if if they were if if they happen to have a particularly bad time as a child, so you can play you can play um, in, in among the missing you can play kids that are because in the base setting you can only like it kind of ends at the towards the end of elementary school like about eleven or twelve 
is the point where you, you're no longer a PC in the, in the base setting or the base game? Yeah, well, because belief is I it's your it's thirteen minus your it's age. Thirteen minus age. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the thing with um, among the missing is that uh, you can sack spirit to gain more belief. You can sack up to three points of spirit for it. So as a result, if the character has been abducted, kidnapped, abused. Etc. If, if, if they basically have had a kind of a rough life, um, they'll be able to see the monsters still, um, even uh, even in upwards of fourteen or fifteen years old. Yeah. So that makes it a little easier for me. So it just kind of takes away all of the problems that I would have with the game. Anyway, someone else should probably answer because I answered. Yeah, I answered adequately. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess it's it's me that's has yet to answer. Yep. Yes. Do it. It's, it's me. All right. Um. So, favorite system, I I I kind of have two, and I I hate that answer, but I have two. Um. And one of them is Fear itself, simply because it's like it's it's the best investigation game I've come along yet. Um. Uh, when run correctly, and when everything's planned out correctly, like it it works in a lot of really interesting ways. Um. And it's it's also really adaptable. Yeah, it's extremely adaptable. It's it's a bit of a toolkit game, but it does have its own um, like it it has its own world and setting and and mythos and like it it comes it, the base game itself comes with you know plenty of, of really interesting things you can do. Um, yeah, it's got but you five can, prefabs in the back, I think. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot of stuff that comes along with it. It's got <laughs> some really interesting monster ideas and antagonist ideas that are just in the book, um, but. You can apply it to anything. I mean, it 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 is you know it's gumshoe, so it, it's it's pretty simple. Um, it, and like Nate was saying about Little Fears, it, it is one of those games that you can pretty much just sort of pick up and be able to you know, it, it's a bit it's a bit more difficult to pick up and just put a game together if you're running it. Um, but it's not prohibitively difficult to do so. It you just have to be you know you have to have a bit more things planned out ahead. And but then when running it, I found it's it's super easy to run because you don't have to worry about people not finding your clues. You just tell them everything. You know, they if they look at it, they find it, and you know they, it makes that easy. And then you can focus on role playing, you can focus on the horror, and you can focus on uh, on you know the horrific things and and then the <laughs> the interesting things the players do. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I think so, it's, it's um, one of the things I like about the core premise of the game that. Seems to be the main difference between it and Call of Cthulhu, is that in Call of Cthulhu you're expected to be some kind of investigator of, you're usually there for a purpose. Whereas yeah. in Fear itself, it's more about average people that just end up in supernatural situations. Yeah, and and Call of Cthulhu is is set up. I mean, Call of Cthulhu, the the current game, the mo- I mean, the most recent edition. We'll see what happens with seventh edition, um, but the most recent edition is is very very much inspired by the August Derleth. Um, cycle of the mythos and it's very heavily influenced by chaosium's works in it you know obviously it's their game everything they've written for it and yeah it requires a lot of like you're a pi you're you know you're a a, a regular policeman you you know you're a newspaper reporter it requires a it requires you to be willing to go to the problem and fear itself accepts that sometimes characters don't want to 
Um, I also like I, that I, Fear Itself has a built has a built in um, you know it has a built in reason why your character goes into goes into the haunted house after it tells them to leave. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's that's one of the that's one of the really nifty mechanics about it. Um, and my other answer is Eclipse Phase, mostly because it is the most ballsy role playing game I've come across so far. Like it is a game that pretty much is unlike any other and it it has a lot of inspirations like you know you could you could compare shadow run is similar uh it has a lot of the same themes to it yeah it's it's got a lot of cyberpunk ideas ideas, yeah yeah but the the transhuman themes are are incredible and it has such a broad and immense depth of setting that it's it, it 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 is fantastic to write for. It's fantastic to run a game in. It's it's really cool to play in, um, and it's really cool to have to have to be running a game where people are you know you guys are keying into some of these ideas. Like I I, I mentioned it earlier, but last session you know James decided to you know take over a, an entire train's surveillance system and then turn off a guy's brain just because he realized he could do that you know it it the the fact that there is a game that allows for th- these crazy around corner you know completely so far out of the box we just nuked the box from orbit style of thinking is awesome and uh the the stories you can tell with this game are really cool and uh, mechanically, the game is really cool. Like, there's there there's some, it's it's you know it's percentile dice, but in a in a different way with the blackjack rolling mechanics. Um, yeah, the yeah. I, I really really do like the. Uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily in the campaign, um, but I, I do like the 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 mechanics. Yeah, the like, game like mechanics have, are have, very cool. Like, I have the Eclipse Phase book. I've read the mechanics and everything because you said that you were using uh, the rolling mechanics. And for for uh, for um, Call the Call of Cthulhu yeah. games that you're running, and it, it got me to to go open close phase and, and, and uh, read the mechanics. I I only read um, setting stuff as at that point. Um, and though I'm not a fan of transhumanist theory, trans- transhumanist theory as a whole, just in general, the the um, the uh, mechanics of the game were really 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 cool. I like yeah. those a lot. Yeah, it's and it's. It's it's a it's a ballsy game in that it, it took its own it came up with its own IP and and is just going balls to the wall with it and and it it's 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 rad I like it quite a bit I'm excited to be writing games in it and to be running games in it and at the at this moment it is my favorite game and that probably is not likely to change anytime soon. So yeah, nice. that's my answer. All right. So to wrap this up, um, Luffy three sixteen asks, which of you would make the best president and why? And, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. You, you first. No, well, no. I, I, I answer. I answer first the first time. Everyone else can go first. I think I would absolutely make the worst president. I I should never be given any sort of power in any situation <laughs> for anything. Sam, you have power over my heart. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> what have you done? You'll never know. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I would be terrible. I'm I'm terrible at compromises and I would annihilate anyone that stood in my way. We we would we would immediately enter a dark age of America. <laughs> Are we assuming this is president of the United States? 
That's what I was assuming. I think so yes. Okay. I mean, we could be president of like. I'm gonna. I. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's take it that way. <laughs> what, what, I'm curious. What? What? How? What was your take on it? I'm president of the drunk and the ugly as like <laughs> a as like a company. I don't know. <laughs> I just always assumed it related to the podcast. No, <laughs> I think to I'm, America. I'm pretty that's, sure he's talking about you. America. But yeah, that would just be you. It's Matt because he puts in all this time and effort, and he's great at it, and we love him for it. He's, right, he's, listeners? He's, you love Matt. He's he's the he's the podcast organizer, editor, progenitor, producer, uh, even even publisher. Matt Campen is my publisher. <laughs> it's true. It's true. This but dude yes. has so much. It's weird to say that like. It's weird to say to kind of look at it and, and, and think about it this way, but the amount of sort of experience in all these different fields that Matt has because of this because of this podcast alone is kind of absurd. Sexy fields. I mean, no, no, seriously, like Matt could use this <laughs> on a resume, like could use the podcast on a resume I and do, cite I the amount of things that he does. I, I've used this podcast. I, on my I actually did use this podcast on a resume. <laughs> it actually nobody cared. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you were going, <laughs> no one was cared either. You, but. Well, I was gonna say if you were going to go into say like um, a job that was all about uh, audio editing and whatnot, you could be like, "Hey, this podcast. This is the shit that I've done." And it would probably look pretty good on you. If you were going to go into, you know, once, once SD is out and then once we have a few other things out too, hopefully, um, that's not being written by me alone. Um, cause we all know how that goes. Uh, oh, self burn. Um, at that point, Matt, you could, you could use that as just sort of a, a point for like publishing, pu- publishing houses. Like, Hey, this is the stuff that I've published for other people. What's up? And, and just things like that. Like you have all of these assorted work experience from this one hobby. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. I'm not going to lie, man. Ridiculous in a good way, of course. Yeah. So Matt, Matt makes best podcast president. Yes. But would you be good president of America? Um, No. <laughs> I don't know shit about foreign policy. <laughs> I don't know shit about I'm, – I'm a very, very uncultured man. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to. No, obviously, I think no, no, no. If we're going to say that I've become president of the United States, that probably means that I did something that people wanted to put me there. Uh, maybe we're not. Let's, let's not assume something anything, that but... at least the electoral college wanted to put me there. Yeah, exactly. So at least at least five, at least three to five hundred individuals wanted me to go there. <laughs> people that were elected by their representatives, who were elected by other representatives, etc. Et um, they got paid lobbyists. Yeah. Yeah. Those. Yeah. That too. Um. Yeah. I. Um. No. Yeah. Um. I'm a cynic, and I say a lot of things that are wrong about the country. I have no idea how to fix any of them. <laughs> um. And I. So, so what we're saying is Matt would be perfect for Congress. <laughs> yes. Well, I certainly can ramble on for a while. <laughs> uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to propose something. Um. Okay. To answer this question. That I'm sure we'll all agree with. I hope we'll all agree with. Uh, not myself, obviously. I'd be an awful president. Um, I don't have the attention span for it. Uh, I'm going to propose uh, Kevin Colmar. Yeah, yeah, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, hands down. Yeah, done. Not only, not only does he, not only does he actually have a degree in politics, 
but he has a degree in economics and is well-versed on it, well-studied on it, hates it with an absolute passion. That is a, a key point in his favor. Yeah, no, that's he, a, that's he, a, he, he, he hates how it's um, taught. He hates how it's run. Uh, he has a ton of ideas, just kind of founded ideas on how to better do it, be it to run it or teach it or anything along those lines. Um, and just altogether, altogether has some of the, the, the most interesting dialogues that I've, that, 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 that I've seen of picking apart various pieces of the system and saying, this is what's done wrong. This is literally hundreds of ways to do it better. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the big, I think that's the big thing for Kevin there. He is a man, he is a, he is a cynic who actually has, who actually has knowledge to fix what he is cynical about. <laughs> yeah. He can do, he can do more than satirize it. Yeah. Well, you heard it here, folks. Riker for president. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin Colmar, 2016. Here. Colmar and Colmar. <laughs> <laughs> I would never vote James president. What the vice president? What the hell are you talking about? James would be the best vice president. No, no, he would be. He would be like, okay, if you could imagine, um, just, just, just picture for a moment that Dick Cheney was likable. <laughs> like the same amount of malice was there, <laughs> but like you just, you just look past it because it's so amicable and, and happy, and sometimes you just like he does him so funny much. Voices. <laughs> Really, really, Nate. That's what America needs. <laughs> Just it needs American Nam- voice. Namazu, vice president. Yeah. <laughs> Am- America needs James Colmar. <laughs> all right, let's end it on that note. Yeah. All right. So that was all your questions. Uh, be sure to send us more on the forums. Uh, remember to vote for vote, your favorite vote, things. Vote. Yes. Vote for Sam. Vote for me. Do it. <laughs> there are many votes for Sam on there. There are like three things that they can vote for you. I know. It's wonderful. <laughs> You're going to get more votes than anyone else. Just statistically speaking. It's true. And, and I'm, 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 I've already gamed the system in my favor and somehow I'm going to win it. I mean, because <laughs> even if Sky Mall comes out, like, that's still Billy Spearshaker and everyone deserves to hear that. <laughs> true you you stung you stung a toilet with the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune <laughs> this is this is the uh this is the month of sam so a horse is. a horse my kingdom for a horse useful noble steed <laughs> all right let's yeah. get out of here yeah <laughs> good night internet yeah. good night